That's okay. We're talking about submission this morning, and most of you guys don't want to hear it anyway, so it's, it's good. Uh, the, uh, some, of, some of us need to hear it. I know I did. I know that we, I don't know how this works, but I know God knows, and uh, those of us that need to hear this the most get to teach it, so that's how that works. Uh, it's, uh, it's very good to be back with you again. I'm sorry that I, that I wasn't with you all at the retreat, uh, but I know from a, a lot of anecdotes and feedback I've got from a lot of people, I know God moved very powerfully at the retreat in the lives of many men and spoke powerfully through Bobby Little, so I'm grateful for that uh, as well. Um, and uh, I guess I have to congratulate the Eagles. I don't know if Chuck's here, but uh, if he's not, it's better. It's a little quieter if uh, LePay is not around. So anyway, um, but uh, there it is. So God is good all the time. Uh, let, let me just uh, review a little bit for you all where we are in our, in our study of uh, spiritual disciplines. Uh, we've learned about four inward disciplines, meditation, prayer, fasting, and study. Um, I hope that you've been challenged to apply some and all of these in your personal life. I know that they are simple to talk about, simple to say, and harder to practice. I think it's a little easier when you have brothers who will walk with you through that and hold you accountable to that. Um, but I think it's, it's important to, to put these into serious practice. We've also learned so far about two outward disciplines, those being uh, simplicity and, and solitude. Um, Hopefully some of you that were on the retreat got an opportunity to uh, have a, a simple life with maybe just your suitcase and your backpack and, and an opportunity to experience solitude in a, just a, a beautiful place. Uh, today we're going to talk about another uh, outward discipline, and it's, it's one that gets messed up all the time. Uh, let me tell you why, I, I, a couple of reasons maybe why I think that is. Um, the, the reason I was not at the retreat was because I was at a family wedding in Miami, uh, Florida, and we went to Little Havana. I don't know if you all have been to Miami uh, area or not, and my uh, bride picked out this place. It's uh, Versailles. It's this big, huge cafe that uh, has wonderful Cuban food, and I'm in there with my wife and my in-laws, and we're playing a game that we like to call uh, menu poker. I don't know if you're familiar with this, where everybody's got the menu, and you're kind of looking at everybody else at the table and say, I wonder what they're going to order, you know, because like, I'm, I'm going to order something that's going to be awesome. We're going to talk about what I order for weeks after this is whole thing. And uh, I'm watching my, my in-laws and my wife do this, and it's just sort of a family dynamic that I've noticed for a long time. They play menu poker all the time. And uh, they all played the same hand, though. They all ordered the ham shoulder, and it was... I'm like, wow. And, uh, and so, you know, of course, I, I put down the Cuban sandwich and I win so, because it's, it's different. But I, and, and their plates were enormous. And they, they, actually, it was theirs that they talked about forever because it was so good. But I remarked to uh, Stacy afterwards, I said, you know, you guys are funny the way you guys order at restaurants. And she says, yeah, you're just as funny. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, it's, uh, you're playing the same game we are. And she's absolutely right. And, uh, you know, the, the issue with, with submission and so many things is that we tend to think that the problem is not, the problem is with everybody else's submission to me, whether that's in our, in our families or out on the parkway or whatever. Um, but that's not the problem. The problem is, the problem is me, right? That's the problem. We see it in other people uh, really fast. We don't want to see it uh, in ourselves. Uh, to further complicate things, if, if this is a problem that, that I share with you, uh, some of you know about CDO. I have CDO, which is obsessive compulsive disorder, but, you know, OCD, but it's in alphabetical order, like God intended, so it's CDO. 
Um, you know, it, it's got to be the way that it's got to be in my life, and I, I don't know why that is. I just feel like it, it should be. I like things the way that I like them because it's the way that I like them, and, and it's really a curse. It's, it's, it's more of a burden than it is something that uh, brings me freedom. Uh, and the more that you see people insist on their own way uh, all around you, whether that's, again, in your family, out on the highway, at the office, once in, everybody's uh, insisting on their own way, you get chaos. You get anarchy. Um, how, do we, how do we become uh, free from that? I can cover the entire waterfront about submission in, in the time together. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you uh, just a, some small insights from the book that uh, we've been looking at and some of the other parts of, of uh, my own experience. But I want you to understand this is not intended to be a complete um, comprehensive study. But I do want the focus to be not so much on uh, what the positions of authority are and where you get to be the boss. Uh, I, want, I want to look more at where you and I need to practice submission, where we need to uh, practice that discipline uh, of letting go. So submission, all right, for you Army guys, uh, this is not what Navy guys do on patrol underwater, okay? It is very early for a joke like that, so I'm going to move on. Um, it, I don't recommend that you put the word submission into an Internet search engine because you're going to get pictures you don't want to see. You might see Notre Dame mauling USC. You're probably going to see – sorry, that was not too early for that apparently. And, and you're going to see uh, a lot of chokeholds and mixed martial arts kinds of things, and none of that's very particularly helpful. But uh, submission from a spiritual point of view is when you recognize finally that someone has legitimate authority over you. You're not your own man. Um, you, if you think you're own, you are your own man, uh, Pastor Michael laid out on Sunday very clearly what, uh, how God approaches uh, people that insist that they are their own man on, in his sermon about one minute after death. And he's very happy to say, thy will be done uh, to men who say that. And uh, then your eternity apart from God, uh, some of us call that hell. Uh, on the other hand, when we do realize and admit that we are not our own, we can accept the authority of others if and when we choose to do so. Uh, that authority can be God, it could be our family, it could be work, it could be other places, and, we're, uh, when, and we've got seven areas at the end, seven small areas where you can uh, practice submission. So we'll talk about that. But the, the essential thing to understand for us as Christians and as believers is that as followers of Christ in him, we have the divine paradigm, the ultimate example of what submission is all about in every case. Um, so let's consider some aspects of submission. There is freedom in submission. There's a lot of, you know, it's, it's one of those tension type of things. There's a, this balance between uh, uh, grace and uh, truth, right? It's um, freedom in submission. How, how does that work? Um, the first thing is you are free from needing to get your own way all the time. And hopefully my examples when we started talked a little bit about why that's important. This is important to me because I'm wired this way. I imagine many of you are wired this way. You see the right way that it's supposed to be done, or at least that you think it's going to be done, and it really, really can bother you if it's not done that way. In submission, you can at last lay that burden down. It also allows you to be free to value other people. What do we mean by this? When I went to West Virginia the first time, I guess it was probably eight years ago, 
I'm not a particularly handy sort of guy, uh, and yet uh, Bob Ashen insisted on giving me a crew and a ladder and a roof and a job. And all of those things intimidated me, uh, particularly the roof part. And I had no how I was going to uh, give this, this family a new roof to their house. Uh, and I had to basically admit and submit to Bob and say, I, Bob, I have no idea what I'm doing here. This is, I mean, I'll do, I'll do whatever you say. Uh, and when I did that, he showed me that there's all kinds, there's a myriad of different tools and there's techniques for managing your crew and all these sorts of things that I had no concept were out there. And I, I knew Bob, I knew he was a great guy, but I came to value Bob so much because I was willing to submit to him and lay everything down and not try to be proud and insist that I know I'm, I'm just going to figure it out or I'm going to look it up on my phone or I'm going to do it all myself. Instead, it, it gave me a wonderful opportunity to appreciate Bob in, in so many new ways, and, uh, and I'm grateful for that. Submission allows us freedom to give up our rights. Why do I need to be free to do that? Well, if you're not going to... Uh, well, if you're going to forgive someone, you know, forgiveness is giving up your right to punish them. Or else it's not really forgiveness. Forgiveness is in those scenarios when you have every right to punish that person for doing whatever wrong that you did. If you, if you don't know how to submit to anything, you probably don't know how to forgive. You don't know how to lay everything down and give up that right. Um, and it doesn't have to be only in forgiveness that you learn how to submit, but it, it is true that if you, if you don't have the beginnings of how to submit to any authority, and it could be as, sim- as simple as a, a red light that you're not going to run through, um, but if you even don't, don't know how to do that, uh, it's very unlikely that you'll be able to forgive. The, the notion of self-denial uh, in terms of submission is, is pretty clear, uh, particularly in the Gospels. We see it all the time. And it's very counter to what we hear in the culture about becoming your best you or your best person now or self-actualizing. You don't get a lot of deny yourself and embark upon a journey of suffering and sacrifice and death, that doesn't sell very well in our society. We don't move a lot of widgets with that message. We move widgets when we tell people that this is going to help you be a better you, but that is not the way of submission, and that's not what, what Jesus talked about. In, in Mark uh, chapter 8, 34 and 35, this is what Jesus said, and he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. Again, it's that, it's, it's counterintuitive. It's, it's a balance. Uh, but it's not really a balance as much as it is letting go of you. It's not about you. That's, that's not what, what this life that we have as believers is about. It's not hating yourself either. I don't think that, um, I think, well, I will say this, that, and I've, I've been guilty of this, but it's easier to deny something to somebody that you don't like, right? I mean, if, you, if, if, that, if your boss is just that kind of boss, uh, it's easy to say no to them, right? Uh, and sometimes if you're trying to practice some self-denial, uh, 
there's a trap, like so many, where we can fall into this notion of, well, I just, I just hate myself. Uh, particularly in times when you're found guilty, you've, you've sinned, maybe you've sinned for the time, and it's easy to, to start exercising self-denial at that point because of self-hatred. But that is, again, that's not the Christian way either. We see Jesus live a life of self-denial. He was God incarnate, uh, and yet lived a life denying that role uh, that he could have insisted on, that many of the Jewish people hoped that he would claim, uh, and he set that aside. But there's no sense in the scriptures that Jesus was busy hating his flesh. And you shouldn't hate yourself either. This is a gift that, that God has given you. Uh, this is one of many areas, though, that I would uh, encourage you all to consider in your own time of, of prayer and study and, and uh, fasting and meditation about this. You know, that God would show, if you wrestle with this sort of thing, uh, I, I, I recommend heartily that you take it to God in those times. Okay. Jesus taught, and we, we, I mentioned it earlier, it's basically the reverse of traditional greatness. Um, in Philippians 2, verse 8, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is not... Um, you know, the cross was, <laughs> that's not what every Roman emperor hoped for. That's not what the kings of Israel hoped for. When we're restoring the kingdom, there were lots of notions of what, what greatness, what Messiah would be about. It wasn't taking up your cross, and yet that's the, the way Jesus modeled for us. Um, and Pastor Michael talked about this passage in Matthew about how Jesus' own disciples understood both the, the desire for traditional greatness, and yet Jesus corrected him. This is in Matthew 23. But do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. Do not be called leaders, for one is your leader, that is Christ. It's, it's backwards. It's, it's different. The, this, this cross life further that, that Jesus talked about, um, in Mark 35, he says, sit in Mark chapter 9, sitting down, he called the twelve and said to them, if anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. And in John 13, uh, Jesus says, for I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. You know, when you, we're, we're going to start to look at the legitimate roles and legitimate authorities in life here in a second, uh, but I, it's, it's really important that as we look at those roles, some of which you are in right now, that you consider Jesus' example in everything that we do. It's, it, it, whatever, whatever role of authority you think you have or that you legitimately have, there is one who had more authority, who has more authority, and what did he do with that authority? All right? Okay. Here it gets fun. So this is the part maybe some of you have anticipated, either because you know the church has uh, struggled and maybe gotten it wrong in some ways, uh, or maybe we're primarily concerned about others submitting to us rather than how we submit to others. And I hope you've had some good examples of submission in your life, but I know that many of you haven't. And I know many of you, and I have, seen submission used as a weapon. Um, but I want to I read these passages to you. I'll, I may not read all of them, but they're, they're listed for you, and I, I commend them to you. 
but it's, it's important to be, be careful. Here's uh, Ephesians 5. Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The, this mystery is great, speaking with reference to Christ's church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Ephesians 6 starts this way. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling. Your heart is to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, render service as to the Lord and not to men knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters do the same thing to them and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Uh, it's the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, so uh, here in a, uh, actually a week or so. Martin Luther called this section of, of the scriptures the uh, Hostafeln, or household codes, um, but I, but I recognize that there have been many twisting uh, of these verses and seemingly limitless outrage about the verses in this section from our culture. Um, and, and so how have we missed the mark in all this? You know, we, have people, we have people, human beings made in the image of likeness of God, imitating doormats, allowing their spouse to walk all over them in the name of submission. We have people pleasers desperately trying to avoid conflict, trying to ensure that uh, submission will be the answer to... to uh, keep the family together. We have adult spouses who have become incapable of making their own decision in the name of submission, nearly losing their minds. And perhaps worst of all, manipulative Christians who submit outwardly but inwardly are ever working towards getting their own way, using submission as a sort of threat. If you've been caught up in any of this, let me just refer you all the way back to the very first verse that I read, verse 521. Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. 1 Peter 3 is, a, is another section. I'm not going to read it in the interest of time, but um, let me focus your attention in that section again on verse 8. All of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Don't miss that. Don't miss what these, uh, these parts are about. These, the, the parts in the scriptures that deal with submission are not about the role you get to play. It's about being subject one to another. Look for your role in submission. And remember our example. Second, here's one that when I say the term marketplace, this is a lot of environments. This could be your job. It could be out on the beltway later, uh, similar things. 
Uh, I think in these areas we see fewer distortions of submission, primarily because we don't see anybody submitting to each other at all in these other places. Okay, um, but listen to this. How countercultural is this? You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You've heard, it, you've heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? You don't even the tax collectors do the same. If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. If you show that kind of love in the marketplace, you're going to have an immediate impact. It won't take long. People will almost instantaneously ask you, why did you do that? Why would you let that person in? Why, why would you offer that up to them? Take that opportunity. Another area that the, the, in the epistles that talk about submission is in the area of government in Romans 13. It just starts this way, and again, I'm not going to read the whole passage. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. There is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they, have op- and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Uh, as citizens, we, it's an act of submission when we do seemingly simple things like pay our taxes or any other, follow any other societal rules. But the question here is what's your inward attitude towards submission? Are, every time you write that check on October 5th to the county, do you start grumbling unbelievably? And does everybody around you understand how mad you are about having to pay your property taxes? I would, I would offer up to you that that is not perfect submission. Okay. Um, grudgingly giving in with a constant litany of complaint is, is a trap. Um, all right, but what about the limits, Dave? Seriously, are there, are there limits to this whole thing? I mean, the reason we get a black eye as believers is because we've seen it twisted. What's the limit? Submission should stop when it becomes destructive. Okay? Uh, every real-life case is different. It's tricky. Real life is not clean. It's not found clearly in Scripture many times, and I'm not here to tell you what the answer is. Um, but I will say this, when, when, the, when an issue of submission, in whatever case, if it's the family, if it's at work, in the market, uh, to government, becomes destructive, you should strongly consider, uh, A, your own position. And it, it, certainly if it's you insisting on the submission, you need to certainly stop there. But you need to back up. There are examples in Scripture of the apostles who, these are the same guys that just wrote the passage about, you know, you will obey legitimate authority, and they told the authorities that God put in place, no. Peter and John in Acts 4 said, Whether it's right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge, for we cannot stop speaking about what we've seen and heard. Uh, Acts 5 is Peter saying we must obey God rather than men. You know, in our, in our country it's okay to get an abortion. Would you say that that's crossed a line of becoming destructive? Probably. 
You know, can we be in, a, can we be in sub- submission to our authority in the government and yet argue against that? Absolutely. So when it becomes destructive, it needs to stop. We're nearly out of time, and I know you're anxiously trying to fill in your blanks, so I'm going to give you the seven. All right? First, submission to God. We allow God to do with us as he pleases all day, every day. Second, submission to the scriptures. Giving up time to hear the word preached, studying it, obey it, not because of our circumstances, but in spite of them. Submission to our family. We make allowances for one another. We share. Fourth is submission to our neighbors and our coworkers. We help those who in need with, with big things and little things. Doesn't, doesn't matter, but we're there in the significant and in the trivial. Fifth is submission to the church, to the body of believers. You do what you can do. More often than not, than coffee, maybe it's passing a basket on a Sunday. Maybe it's helping out with the fall festival. I know I'm going to see almost all of you there at the fall festival volunteering. Maybe it's a small thing like that. Uh, but maybe it's a larger thing. You know, maybe it's, uh, for some of you, it's become, I'm leaving my voc- current vocation behind because I want to be in pastoral ministry full time. That's an act of submission. Sixth is a submission to the broken and the despised among us. Who are the helpless and the downtrodden and rejected people all around you? Submit to them. Finally, it's submission to the world. We need, this is about stewardship and understanding that, again, it's not about you. It's about care, carefully shepherding what God has entrusted to us and knowing that when people are in crisis somewhere else in the world, that needs to matter to us. And some of you in this room have gone to those places because you see that suffering, because you see that need. Uh, some of you quite voluntarily, some of you were voluntold because you're in the uniform, I get that, but some of you have done some incredible, incredible things. Um, this is not an intellectual exercise, all right? This is, these are acts of submission that uh, in your time of meditation and prayer, I would encourage you to ask God to show you where you need to, uh, to grow. Remember, submission is acknowledging a legitimate authority, um, But if you're going to grow spiritually, you've got to choose over and over to have a humble and submissive heart towards whatever the the scenario is. And and if you're wrestling with this at all in any way, you've got to remember our example. And our example is Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's your questions. Have you seen submission go wrong? What would have made it right? Where do you need to work on submission the most? Is it at home in your family, out at work? Is it with the government? And what act of submission of the seven are you most challenged to perform? And hold one another at your table accountable this week for uh, practicing this discipline. God is good all the time. Thanks, guys.